Welcome to The Spotlight. I'm Sophia Hernandez. In today's episode, we are speaking to an award-winning journalist on the importance of communication, how to navigate an oversaturated world of information, and the best practices to say what you mean effectively. Today in The Spotlight is Shay Simon. Hey guys, I am Shay Simon, anchor and reporter in Columbia, South Carolina, and also the author and founder of Jumping Into Journalism. And I cannot wait to get into it. Can you tell me a little bit, was being a journalist something that you always wanted to be? Or when did you kind of know like, okay, this is a career for me? Definitely not always. I went through my phases of first, I wanted to be a teacher when I was in elementary school. Then I wanted to be an actress or a model when I was in middle school. High school, I was actually in the theater uh, magnet in Orlando where I'm from. Um, and I just realized I was not as passionate about theater as my classmates. Um, they took it extremely serious and it was more fun for me. So that's when I really started figuring out, okay, what exactly do I want to do? I went through pharmacy. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm pretty smart. Pharmacists make a lot of money. Boom, pharmacists. I hate math and science. That was not going to work. So I went back to the drawing board, um, actually seen a black woman on the news in Orlando. Um, I used to watch the news every morning before school. And I was like, I think I can do that. And lo and behold, it brought all my skills together that I learned in theater. And when I got to college at FAMU, they had an amazing broadcast journalism program. And it, the passion just came, like was just fueled there. As a fellow theater kid, my, my track was kind of the same. That's really funny that you said that. I also went to a magnet high school. So what? I totally, yeah, and to theater you too. You know how serious, <laughs> it's serious. It's like college. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and I think it weeds people out pretty quick. You know, like, it's like, okay, is it fun or is it that you want to spend the rest of your life doing this? Theater is so, life, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So tell me a little bit about your career in and of itself, kind of uh, what that looked like and working up the ranks. Wow. So I graduated from FAMU in December 2018, and I started my first job that February. Um, and I came to Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, no family, no friends. I just got an opportunity to MMJ. Um, it's six hours from home, but I could still drive if I absolutely needed to. The weather wasn't too, too crazy from Florida. Um, so I said, okay, you know, I think Columbia would be a good market for me. So I kind of targeted this market um, landed here, thought I was going to do a two-year MMJ contract, but God had completely other plans. Uh, before the end of my first year, I was promoted to weekend anchor, um, around like that next December, um, I was promoted right before the pandemic. So I started weekend anchoring in January of 2020. Um, and that came after I volunteered and asked to be on the morning shift so I can get more breaking news experience um completely unheard of my boss was like what like you want to work mornings like is is are you sure and I'm like yes like I want to be able to nail breaking news like get on the scene gather information and that is what the morning show is all about as well as still being able to turn a story so I did that I worked weekends I was picking up extra shifts when we were short staff and really just putting myself out there and doing the work and got promoted to Weekend Anchor. Um, I have now been here. I'm right at my three-year mark. I've been Weekend Anchoring for two years um, and it has been a ride through this pandemic, but that has kind of be, been like how I started and then where I am right now. That is crazy to think that because it feels like just yesterday that you moved there and you got the promotion. So it's crazy to think that it's been that long. Um, yeah. 
that's wild. But when you know you got something good, that's that's great. And for those who don't know too, um, an MMJ, can you kind of explain what that is? Um, and kind oh, of maybe yeah. how that's different than like a reporter. Yeah, so MMJ is pretty much the way that most people are having to start out now in the news industry. So I have my own gear um, and everything. I have my own computer. And when I am pitching a story, they are saying, yes, this is the story we all like. You can do that story. I am filming the story. I am interviewing the people on my own, um, you know, recording everything, writing everything, tra uh, tracking everything, you know, creating the story all on my own. So basically it's one man banding. I don't have a photographer. Literally 99% of the time when I'm out on a story alone, someone goes, oh, I thought you had a cameraman. And it's like, no, I, <laughs> I'm MJ. I don't do it as much now. Um, but initially when I got hired, I was strictly MMJ, like never having a photographer. Um, and yes, yeah, so whereas a reporter, that is someone who has someone to record for them. And sometimes they also edit their packages for them. And can you tell me a little bit, obviously, as a journalist, right, communication is like a key element into the profession and um, into what you do on a day to day. Tell me a little bit about the importance of what communication uh, means to you. Oh, my goodness. Okay. In the newsroom, they always say, like, we're in the communication field, but we are the worst communicators <laughs> and people in, in news and journalism. Um, but communication is everything in a newsroom. If you have breaking news, um, it's going to come most likely to the newsroom first. Reporters are not in the newsroom. So then someone has to communicate. We just got this breaking news. Relate that to somebody else. That person then has to go to wherever the breaking news is and get there, see what's there, then relate back to the newsroom what happened. So it is, it is critical. And I just really always think back before we had so much like FaceTime and I could just text you and I could just put the address in my phone. What was news like before? Like I can't imagine like using a map or using MapQuest and printing something out and having to go to breaking news. But with the convenience, um, that causes you to have to over communicate even more. If someone texts you address and one of the numbers are off, now you're at the wrong place for the breaking news. So communication is critical, critical, critical in news and the newsroom. And then another form of that is also your writing. And if you are listening to this, you want to be a news, want to be a journalist, writing is everything. That is an important skill to have, whether you are on camera or off camera and will really uh, elevate you from, from some people around you as well. Can you tell me, how do you think, because I think, um, again, like you said, a lot of times the perception, right, is that a journalist is a good communicator. And nine out of 10 times they are, you know, when they're <laughs> off the clock and they're socializing, yeah. they typically tend to be more social people or whatever, just because of yeah. the, the profession. How do you think for someone listening to this and wanting to become a better communicator, how do you think the first step is in, in becoming one? I always say like when I, or think when I say something to someone, making sure they got it. Because sometimes what you say and what people hear is two different things. On the weekends, as the weekend anchor, I am also um, helping navigate the weekend reporters um, as they you know, execute their stories on the weekends. And I can say, hey, this is the story you're doing today. And it can sound very similar to another story that they're doing. And then when they send me the script, I'm like, oh, we were talking about two totally different things. So definitely, I think um, making sure that what you're saying, the other person is picking up. So, so that's like over communicating, I think would be a tip, a key for sure. Um, 
to not even just in the newsroom, but just in general, um, that can also be when you are just communicating with your coworkers and, you know, something may come off one way. And it's like, no, I, I totally wasn't trying to say that that way. I was just trying to say it like this. And they're like, oh, okay, I got it. So definitely say, uh, making sure that what you say is what's being received. For sure, for sure. Um, and I know a lot of the time too, kind of going back on what I was saying earlier is that people think a lot of the time, just because you stand in front of the camera, you automatically are just fearless for things like, let's say public speaking, right? Like, like, right. oh, if she stands in front of the camera, like she knows what she's doing, right? She, she's like yeah. a pro at this. So how do you, and how have you built up the courage to be able to speak effectively just in social settings, like outside of work? Um, you know, when you're maybe asked to call to MC an event or, you know, just in a, in a mixer sort of situation. I still get nervous. I know people, people literally ask that all the time. They're like, oh, do you get nervous? And it's like, okay, I don't really get nervous for live shots per se anymore or before a newscast, but something that I don't do often, especially because of the pandemic is like hosting an event. I, I remember when they um, asked me to host my first event here, it was right, right, right before the pandemic, like literally, I think that February. And um, this was in, in front of like a theater of people, like this, this place had thousands of people in there. And um, I was so nervous, my voice was squeaking. And I was like, I, like me, like, I can't believe my voice would betray me like this. But um, yeah, I was, I was extremely nervous. So I definitely think that speaking and public speaking is my gifts. So I don't think it's something that I, I struggle with, like maybe like if I'm going to say the right things or how it's going to come out as much, but I do still get um, nervous uh, when I do things out of the ordinary. So like you said, exactly like MC in an event. Um, and I think what helps me like calm my nerves, like taking deep breaths, like these people asked me to do this. So clearly they know I'm capable. Like I got it. Like, don't worry. Um, and I just really do myself. Like, I think that even if I, and doing something and I'm like I'm nervous y'all or like I'm tired or I'm hungry like everybody can relate they, they understand like they're not you know judging you so I think I really go into any situation like even Instagram lives I do those a lot and you're really just talking to yourself like unless someone joins you're reading the comments and really just talking to the screen and I just just be myself like I don't I don't get nervous you know um so I think those are some good keys if you if you do struggle in that area yeah, those are definitely good pieces of advice for sure, for sure. Being relatable, awesome. You know, in this world of news of 2022 that we live in, so much has changed in just oh. such a short period of time. Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with navigating what is verifiable news and information in an oversaturated pool of news, right? Like there's so many different sources of things coming at you, talking about the same thing. How do you yes. navigate what's true and what's not? I'm not even true because I, I don't like the word true, but verifiable information. Yes. Like, where did you get this information from? And that is the newsy in me. Like, my friends hate sending me articles, like, or something on Instagram because I'm going to say, where are you getting this information? Or they'll say, oh, such and such told me something, something. And I'm like, but where are the, like, the fact, where, where are you getting this information? Like you said, where is the, the verified information? So I am a fact checker, like. Even if I see Twitter is the main culprit, somebody will tweet something and it will have 2 million retweets. And I'm clicking and I'm like, let me go see, like, is this true? Let me go to an actual website with real information from real doctors or real whatever. 
And it is, it's not true. So I, I think for me, I, as, or even as journalists, we are more inclined to be questionable. If we see something like we're more inclined to be like, mm, I'm not trusting it just because they tweeted it. Like we're, we're going to go fact check, but I hate that everyone is in that way. And I know Twitter is trying. They have the thing that says like, you know, you may want to verify this information or read the entire article before you retweet. And I think that's a great start. But I just think that a practice for anyone, if you see anything before you repeat it to someone, before you retweet it, you can simply Google. You can simply Google and say, okay, this site is a reputable site. Let me see who is backing up this information or is this just coming from one tweet, one person, one person that is not even X, Y, Z. I used to have a professor um, who I love dearly and he at my <laughs> university was like very reputable. Um, and yeah. he said this thing that kind of stuck with me and it's kind of been my rule of thumb mm-hmm. through the years. Um, whenever you read something and you don't believe it to be true, make mm-hmm. sure that three different sources have the same thing. Because also too, the way that people that. say things, you know, again, in the oversaturated uh, source world that we live in, people view things through a different lens, right? Mm-hmm. So people might look at the same situation or the same scenario and, yeah, and view yep. it differently. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about that, even that just like the perspective and the viewfinders that might be put to when navigating. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm going to take that from your professor. Three. I think that's just like you said, a good rule of thumb. Um, I think just on that, like you said, just just fact checking, like even if you perceive something that way, but if three people also agree with that, three reputable people, um, I think that is, that's, that's the best way to navigate that. Tell me a little bit. So we, again, I think also in this day and age, unfortunately, with all that has happened within the past years, where people tend to view news typically, I'm not gonna say all the time because it's right. not all the time, uh, right. but typically through a negative lens. How have you been navigating that too? You know, working in a profession where it's almost, you know, like half half the team is is not on your back. <laughs> no, I I definitely um I feel like I kind of experienced that more or even pre-pandemic because I work for a Fox affiliate. And for people that are not in news, they have no idea what a Fox affiliate is. <laughs> they they see Fox and they think I am a Fox News correspondent or I am on the Fox News channel. Like they don't understand the difference. And for anybody who is listening, just so you know, you know, um, like Fox basically is just the station that I'm at. So you have CBS stations, NBC stations, ABC stations, but Fox News itself has no influence on what we actually air like it has that's just literally basically our name that's just who we are under um because every company has a station in a market so that is literally it um i i have to constantly tell people they're like oh like you're with fox news i'm like no i'm with watch fox (laughs) like no it's it's two different things um we don't get our information, our facts, our stories um, from from the actual Fox News. So I do believe that during the height of the pandemic, um, it was extremely scary, especially when we had um, protests. And I don't I don't think people could really understand that, like, the news is here to tell your side of the story. Um, I think that during that time, people kind of felt threatened by the news or, or as if we had like an agenda to tell a certain type of story. Um, and I think that was tough. And I think like kind of like with the public speaking, like you said, just being relatable, like if anybody 
it was ever come up to me and be like, oh, like you're Fox News, like we don't want you here. I'm like, oh, I'm not with Fox News. I'm Fox, Fox, watch Fox and I'm just doing my job. I'm a reporter. I got sent here to tell a story. I'm not out here for fun. I am not spending my Saturday, my off day to come out here with you guys. Like I am just here to tell a story just like you, like you have your job. I have mine and this is what I'm doing. And it's like, oh, like some people can be like, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And I'm like, now do you want to go on camera and do an interview? Like <laughs> we're, we're friends now. So um, I think it's something that definitely was more prevalent like during the height of the pandemic back in 2020. Now people have kind of chilled off of it, but definitely still being a Fox affiliate, all like almost always people are like, oh, you work for Fox and spew off their feelings about the Fox News channel. I could see that for sure, for sure. And, I, and something I've never had to think about. Um, so I can only imagine. There's also that reminder of inclusivity. So making sure that you're including everybody and that everyone is represented and then unconscious bias, right? So like making sure that stories represent people, not just by face value, either what they look like or their actions. So tell me a little bit about your best advice in navigating that in your day-to-day, -day, whether it be for work or in your personal life. Ooh, so do you mean like just telling stories that represent all types of people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like inclusive and unconscious bias, you know, like not going into something already thinking about what this person is without them sharing your story and kind of also being inclusive. So I think that I... Um, I probably don't deal with that as much because I actually live in a very black city. Um, I, I know that when I talk to a lot of my friends who are journalists and that's not the case, they have to really um, put more thoughts into that area. Um, but uh, basically Tallahassee and Columbia are very, have very similar, they're similar cities. And then Columbia's population, like I said, we have a lot, um, a large black population. So I think that on any given day, any given story I'm doing, I'm literally able to easily grab a black person, grab a different race person, like white person. Like I, it's not even something that I, I feel like I have to really be like, oh, let me make sure, because I think that it's very diverse here. And we, um, like our population is just not a large percent of one thing. So I think that's super helpful in, with me, with telling stories, I am able to sometimes easier, like easily, that's not a word. Not easily, <laughs> but it is easy. I was like, I do that all the time. Make up my own. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm that's like, actually a not a real one. Not yet. That's not. That's not it. I'm trying to say it is easier for me to get people's perspectives from all backgrounds of life because that's what we have here in Columbia. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and yeah, for sure, that probably makes it so much easier too when you're in a city that's more of a melting pot. Let's say. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also to speaking of easier Lee <laughs> language, um, I also feel like it's so important too, right? Again, like I think that also maybe plays a role into perspective and viewfinders. So like the language and the words that you use to communicate, talk a little bit about that for you, what that's like using that in your day to day um, and maybe being conscious of that as well. I think what I love most about broadcast news is our scripts and speech. It's elementary level. I am so grateful for that. And the fact that I can make my sentences literally have five words in them um, is super helpful for me. So it, it is um, just in terms of using the right words and things like that. I don't really have to use many big words on a day-to-day -day basis because our goal is for 
anyone to be able to watch our newscast and understand what the heck we're saying. So my, I'm more so breaking down the big words that I see and explaining to our viewers, okay, when they say this word, for you and me, this is how we would say it. Um, so I enjoyed that. The first thing that came to mind when you asked that question, something that I personally change in my scripts and um, it's different for everyone and it's different for everyone in news is African-American. I just put black. I'm black. My friends are black. My family's black. And for us, we just use black. And I just personally don't say words like African-American. Um, but that is something in news and journalism that comes up. I am black. So I will say that, but other people will not feel comfortable saying black. That's just not what they feel comfortable with. So that's an example of something that kind of comes up and you, you know, you make your own decision on it. I don't feel like there's a right or wrong, but like I said, the best part about broadcast news, not writing, but broadcast is I am using elementary language, five words, one sentence, and I love that. <laughs> and you brought up writing earlier, you know, and how yes. you love that. Tell me a little bit about that too, uh, what that kind of means to you. So on the weekends, when I am weekend anchoring and helping navigate the reporters, I am also producing my own show. So I get a lot of practice writing for those who are listening, who are like, what's producing your own show? I'm making the show. I'm picking the stories. I'm saying what order the viewers will see, will see them. And I'm actually writing the stories in a way that makes sense to the viewer explaining what happened. So I get a lot of practice writing and I really enjoy making stories my own so instead of saying like uh two vehicles were heading westbound and overturned i would say two cars were going down blah 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 highway and crashed into each other or flipped over like i have been able to really break things down in a way that it's more me and in a way that the viewers will understand more easier um easier lately <laughs> understand better uh so. We are recording this bright and early, just in case you wanted to know. We're still a little rusty here. Did you really say easier, Lily, all the time? No, I don't. I don't. I can vouch for Shay. I can vouch for her. She, she knows how to speak people. Um, tell me a little bit. Um, you've had, again, quite the career. You started young, worked your way up pretty young as well. And before that, you had a lot of internships. I'm at some very swanky places. Tell me a little bit about the best advice that you have ever received from a mentor. Oh my goodness. Oh, that is so tough. Um, <laughs> I will tell you what I hear almost once a week from my mentor right now. And I now have to tell my mentees the same thing. Um, I interned in Orlando at uh, West 2 in my hometown and the anchors there just literally took me under their wing and are still my mentor to this day. One of them, Stuart Moore. And he always reminds me like, if this won't matter in five years, five months, five days, five hours, leave it alone. And he has to constantly tell me that because I, I'm just like, I'm like, no, like, this is so important. And I would text him like, hey, can you call me the next two minutes about this? Like, this is so urgent. And then we talk and he's like, really? Like, just please just let it go. He's like, this will not matter five months from now. You're not even going to be thinking about this. And he is always absolutely right. And I think just in life in general, that's great advice. But in news, when we are in a very high stress environment, everything feels like the end of the world. Every deadline feels like the end of the world. Um, 
I think that is the best advice just to breathe and really think like, is this situation going to matter? Is this benefiting me? benefiting me? Is this helping my career or should I just let it fly? Um, and that has, like I said, life, work as an intern, anything um, that, that's just amazing advice. That is, that is a good one. <laughs> yes. a good one. Yeah. Tell me you started uh, jumping into journalism. I want to say yes. it's like, what, 2021, right? Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, last April. Last April. Okay. Can you tell me the idea behind the book and the platform? Oh my goodness. So there was no platform. It was, it was just the book at first. Um, during the pandemic, it was like my passion project. I always wanted to write a book. Um, and I wanted to do something where everyone who had questions could go, go to the same place, which used to be my YouTube channel. I had a YouTube channel back in college where I would kind of talk about journalism and my major and how to get an internship and things like that. And then as I got into the industry, students would reach out to me then and ask like, how do I get an internship? How do I get a job? What should my resume look like? What websites do I need to go on to look for internships? And so that was the idea initially to get all of their answers in one place and it just turned into a book. I started telling more stories about things that I experienced while looking for jobs and things that I experienced while interning and my horror stories and my success stories. And um, yeah, finished it the end of 2020, published it in April. Um, and so I created the Instagram to promote the book. And here we are almost a year later, almost at a thousand students and followers and supporters. And like people are always writing me like, I love this page. Like I found an internship after, you know, following this page. I got a job after reading the book. And God has literally just taken that little seed, like me saying, okay, God, I'm going to sit and be disciplined and committed to writing this book. And God just blew it up. Like I am committed now on my days. I don't feel like it on the days where I am tired from my actual career. I am now invested in jumping into journalism and helping students to kind of navigate their way into getting into news. And tell me about that too, being, you know, obviously mentorship has played a significant role in your life. So, so much so that that is what you are now to so many mentees. Tell me about the importance of that for you to be able to have that kind of relationship with somebody that you look up to. Oh my goodness. I feel like my mentees are like my children. Like I literally get tears in my eyes when they like text me on their accomplishments. One of my mentees um, is now an anchor at FAMU, which is what I, I did when I was there. One of my mentees just got a job at CNN. Um, one of my mentees graduated and literally the next week started a job at the state Capitol. So I feel like a mom, like it's such a... Um, a rewarding feeling to know that you had even a small, small, small piece in helping them get to that point and doing the exact same things that my mentors did for me. Um, my mentors helped me learn professionalism, <laughs> learn how to tackle situations, um, how to dress, like things that are not taught, literally why I wrote the book, things that you don't learn in school. That is what your my mentors poured into me. Um, anytime I had any questions about the right thing to do, I have a number of people that I can double check with, compare answers, and kind of make my own decision from there. And it's just such a blessing. Like my, my motto is like, blessed to be a blessing. And that's literally mentorship. Like they are where I want to be and they're helping me get there. And then I'm taking what they tell me and I'm giving it to my mentees. Now my mentees have mentees and it's just trickling down 
um, all with the same goal of just helping each other. That that's literally it. I love that. Blessed to be a blessing. I might take that one for yes. me. That's a good one. Yes. No, take it. Take it. <laughs> what are some of the biggest questions or concerns that some of your mentees might be having and bringing to the table? Everyone is concerned about the pandemic. Everyone is wondering how the heck do I build a reel when my everything is virtual, my internship is virtual, or I can't get an internship because newsrooms aren't offering them because they're virtual. Um, that has been the main thing that not only my mentees, but people that book one-on-ones with me through jumping into journalism, like as soon as we get on the call, they're like, I can't find an internship. Um, this pandemic has really, you know, taken me back. I can't do a story. I don't know how to do X, Y, Z. So I think the main thing on students' mind, much like us, figuring it out literally day by day, is the best way to navigate in the pandemic but still grow and learn and feel like they have everything they need when they graduate to get a job. Um, and my main piece of advice, I'll give it here, um, use what you have. Uh, use your phone, use your webcam, whatever. Uh, jobs are going through the exact same thing that you're going through. Internships are going through the exact same thing. Everyone is figuring out the best way to tell stories in a pandemic and, and do it so do it safely so I always tell them the story of how I made my first reel by taking my phone and uh, me and Brandon who was who went to BMU and he was a senior we went out did the gas station shot got my phone close did that little uh stand up got the buggies did all that on a phone we used what we had and made it work in addition to my internship clips um and not, nothing is stopping you from going out with your phone and telling a story. Nothing is, is stopping you from going to interview people, putting them six feet apart, micing them up and, and telling some stories. So I think um, the more creative you can get as a student, uh, the better off you will be when you get a job and you're faced with the same challenges. And what is the biggest thing, you know, again, for those mentees that are looking to get into journalism and maybe don't have, let's say, a foundation, right? That maybe yeah. some other students might that they either they've done the internship or they've tried their hand at it. They know they like it. What do you mm -hmm. wish people who are looking to get into the industry knew about the industry or, or, or best piece of advice for them? Were you jumping into journalism? <laughs> I well, there are, but seriously, seriously, though, seriously, um, I feel like reading jumping into journalism it's not just tips for like how to get an internship it's like my experience and I think that people can kind of get a better idea of what news is really like because I I get the dms and they're like oh my gosh like I didn't know you had to do that like I didn't know you had to carry your own camera or go live when it's pitch black outside at 10 o'clock and I'm like yeah like this is the real <laughs> this is what actually goes on so I really do think that it gives um, students who believe they're, they may like news, a better idea of what it's really like before they actually made the decision to pursue it. Um, but a piece of advice also that I would give anyone wanting to go into news, I would really say try to get an internship because I just feel like that's the best idea you can get as to what being a journalist would be like. So whether it's you want to write, so you need to get an internship where people are writing. If you want to be on camera, you need to be around somebody that's on camera. Whatever it is that you think you want to do, even if you can just shadow someone for one day, if you can't land that internship, I just think it's vital to actually see what you think you want to do in real life. That would be my number, piece, number one piece of advice for sure before you graduate. That's a good one. That's a good one. And for 
people who consume the news and view you, what is the biggest thing that you wish they knew? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm a regular person. I think um, with social media, people are kind of getting it a little bit more. Um, but like, <laughs> I did a story on this family and I've, I followed up like twice and I love them dearly. But they like call me twice when I'm off work <laughs> about a news story. And it's like, like news is what I do. It's not who I am. Like I have a regular life outside of news. And while I love you guys and I love to tell your stories, like I still have my own stuff going on. Um, and I think that for viewers, like, like I said, with social media, they're kind of getting it now. Like, oh, these are regular people. They go to the grocery store just like us. They have families, friends, boyfriends. Um, so yeah, I think just for viewers to understand, like, we are we're just like you like even when it comes down to the comments of like oh you're wearing this or your hair looks this certain way or you look tired like regular person yep that that's true <laughs> Shay any other like I'm a big quote gal you said bless what is it blessed to be a blessing is that blessed your, blessed. any other yep. words of wisdom that you would like to bestow upon the people listening Ooh. to this today I'm um, a big quote I feel girl like I know I'm like I um blessed to be the blessing is my go-to like that's what I live and breathe um let me see I think I have my bible verse of the year here that oh, I, I love that I love that yes so my bible verse of the year is Joshua 21 45 and it is not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed everyone was fulfilled and I think it's a reminder that literally nothing is impossible for God. If you write down 500 million goals this year and work to execute them, God can do 500 million plus one. Like every single thing that he promised you is in you and he's absolutely able to fulfill. Um, and I just know like just with the pandemic and life and adulting and growing up, um, it's challenging. Like it's challenging and it's easy for you to think like, man, I'm not moving in this area or, you know, I'm not getting an internship. I'm not getting a job. I'm not getting a call back on whatever it is. Um, and I think that Bible verse is like, there's no limit. Like every single promise that God gave you, he's able to fulfill. Just keep doing the work. I love that. Shay, thank you so, so much for joining us here on the spotlight. And if you guys would thank like to learn more. Me. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for So proud of you. Oh, thank you. If you guys would like to learn more about jumping into journalism, we will have social links down below. And as always, you can catch a new episode of the spotlight every single Thursday. Thank you, Shay.